Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. doing good. Woo, I love it. I'm all about it. Listen, uh, there's something I literally have never done in my life as a preacher, and I've been preaching, I don't know, like three or four years now, like just consistently. Um, nothing. I've never done this once, and I, I want to do it today because what we're going to talk about today is a daily lifestyle of praise and worship. Um, and in the, uh, and we can get our fancy little blue little thingy up. It's so cute. I like it. Amelia made it. I appreciate it. Shout out to Amelia for being killer. Um, and shout out to the worship team, by the way, <laughs> because worship practice is on Tuesday, and I sprung it on them on Monday. Hey, we're going to do an acoustic set with three new songs, and uh, well, I, don't, I try not to be that way, but, but it had to be that way. <laughs> you know, um, on uh, the last Sunday, worship was amazing, and yet I felt something overwhelming in the room, maybe a, a sense of complacency in the face of such a great God in worship. You know, and so what I wanted to do was not get us used to how we worship because the fact of the matter is worship is a lifestyle. And, you know, the apostles were worshiping while in prison and they're worshiping while they were blessed and they're worshiping while people were getting saved in droves and they were worshiping while people were getting murdered in the streets. They didn't stop because worship isn't based off of where I'm at. Worship is based off of who I'm under. Right. So worship is about the God that I serve. And so my worship doesn't change because my situation changes. Amen. And so I thought, well, let's mix up worship a little bit let's do something a little different maybe maybe wake up and not quite do the same old same old um and the thing with worship is i don't think it's on someone else to wake us up to worship and i don't even think it's on on god to wake us up to worship because he already woke us up right it's our job to come into worship freely and fully and so something i've never done before but i want to do right now uh can we do a praise break Yeah, let's go. I'm going to say three, two, one, and y'all are going to go. Ready? Three, two, one. Now make sure you're not just yelling. Make sure you're praising Jesus. Amen. All right, settle down. Settle down. You're going to scare the Jehovah's Witnesses across the street. Um, So... We might do that a couple more times this service. Remember last week, I specifically wasn't very emotional. Right? I, I banked it, so I get to use it all today, right? So I'm excited, but we're here to worship God, and we're here to talk about worshiping God. And just for the record, if we don't end this, this thing with worshiping again, we failed somehow, right? Like, like get ready, because we're going to go back in, and maybe we'll have Zach hop on, and maybe we'll go like, we did some worship today, but maybe we'll praise <laughs> next. Amen? Um, but can y'all say daily? Can y'all say daily? All right, who here thinks, actually, I won't do that to you. Uh, Look to your neighbor and say, daily. Look to your other neighbor that you like a little less and say, daily. Uh Uh-oh, it's awkward now. Uh Uh-oh, why do you do do that for? I don't know. Uh, Look, tap the person in front of you on the back and say, daily. Everyone look at Josh and say, daily. Because it's good to see you, brother. Uh, I was in the middle of my thing. All right, give one more shout for Jesus, and we're going to hop right on in. It's going to be like that today. So if you're not there, please get there. If you're not there, look to little B, and she's going to take you there. Amen? I love you guys. So we've been talking about what the daily lifestyle 
for a Christian needs to look like. I'm already at 41 minutes. Where, what happened? Uh, what the daily lifestyle of a Christian is supposed to look like. Uh, so first week we talked about community, right? How God has called us to be in daily community with each other. Breaking bread, communion, fellowship, praying together. Amen? And as Amelia pointed out so nicely, that breaking of the bread, that communion is a part of community. It's actually why they sound so similar. It's the same root word, right? Community is to commune with people. Where communion is where we're communing together before God. Amen. Then week two, we started talking about being, having a healthy awe and wonder of God. And y'all best believe, if we're going to talk about praise and worship today, that's going to come up a lot today. <laughs> Amen. So mostly prepare yourselves to be in awe and wonder of God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow amen praise him all creatures here below listen that that song rocks me and the other song that rocks me is the hallelujah from here below man those lines of like a thousand like all the angels that surround your throne singing praise that will never cease but hallelujah from from here below right how beautiful that is is in the midst of God's greatness and his mightiness and all and all the crazy things going on all around him that when a small group of people come together and worship he leans in and he listens because the bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people and he could stay up there and he could inhabit that place but he chooses instead to come with us broken sinners and abide in our worship which is why by the way we always start our services with worship because we're going to start in the place of God this is all for you. Amen? Amen. So we're going to, and then, oh yeah, week three. My bad. Got excited. Uh, week three, we talked about how it's simple. Should I worship God? Yeah. It's simple. <laughs> Amen? And see, what happens is, is when you're in awe of God and you'll do anything for him and you'll do anything because you love the people around you, well, the answer to any situation is very simple. What best helps the people around me and what best honors God? Amen? It's, it's simple. God didn't make it complicated. And same with salvation, by the way. It's simple. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart and you're saved. But does he want to save this person? Yeah, it's simple. Amen? <laughs> it's like we used to go out and evangelize, and sometimes people, we'd say, oh, we need to pray for that person. And people around would be like, oh, well, God didn't tell me to pray for that person. Mark chapter 16 says preach to all creatures. So, yeah, actually, he did tell you to pray for that person. Let's go, right? It's simple. Amen? <laughs> it's simple, and God doesn't overcomplicate things. We overcomplicate things. God will say, hey, give this, and you're like, well, that, was that really God? This is a really complicated situation, but God was like, what's my word say? Right? Simple. And when we live a lifestyle of simplicity, of, of being in awe of God, a lifestyle of putting each other first, praise naturally follows, and so does worship. Amen. So Acts chapter 2 is where we've been preaching this whole thing. I hope you all have this memorized by now. But if not, we got two more weeks. Uh, week four out of five, which, by the way, we're coming to a close of this. I'm kind of sad. I really like this series. Um, daily praise and worship. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Can you all say Acts chapter 2? Keeping you on your toes. If, you got, if I got to do a praise break, I will. Uh, and they continued steadfastly. I wish we would have spent more time on that word. But I digress. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Can I get an amen? That's community in a nutshell. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. On wonder. Ready? That word for fear is a reverent 
awe. Amen. But now all who believed were together and had all things in common. That's that simplicity thing. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. You know, Liana mentioned that today. You know, my house is open to anyone in need. You know, I think people in the, in the world would say that's not wise because you don't know what you're bringing into your house. But Christ says open your door to those in need, and I'll bless you for that. Amen. When my wife and I first got married, the advice was given to us. Make your first year of marriage all about you. We took that advice, and we threw it to the side, and we made our first year of marriage about housing people, about loving people, about taking care of those in need. And when some people didn't have houses, they moved in with us. And people said, you're not being wise. You're not. And, but we looked at the Bible and said, I can't explain how I couldn't do this. It makes no sense to me that I wouldn't give my life for this. And we left our first year of marriage strong. Why? Because we put it on the foundation of God, your will, not mine. Wisdom says focus on us, but we say focus on God. And what happened? We came out strong. And in the midst of crazy trials that have been going on in this church and in our lives, God has blessed us again and again and consistently. It's like I'm trying to not get blessed, and God keeps blessing me anyway, you know, because God is so good. But it's because of, like Liana said, we set a foundation. But that's the point of daily. Right? Daily is a daily foundation I'm setting that God's going to move on. Right? Build your house on a rock, not on sand. But the rock is community. The rock is Jesus. The rock is awe and wonder. The rock is simplicity. And the rock is worship. Amen? And next week, we'll talk about evangelism, which is also part of the rock. Uh, they sold their possessions and goods. So continuing... Y'all got to wake up with me because it's going to happen a couple more times. And if you're not here with me, I'm going to cry. All right, so continuing. And so they continued. Was it weekly? It was daily. That's right. Uh, with one accord, one accord, unity. Community needs unity. <laughs> right? See, in the Bible, when Jesus says, when two of you come together and anything you ask in my name will be done for you. That word for together, that word is a Greek word that translates in English to symphony. When you guys are in tune with each other. If Will hops up on his bass and I grab my guitar and he grabs, and Aaron grabs his piano and me and Will play a C and Aaron plays a D, it won't sound right. Even to people who don't know music, it'll sound wrong. Why? Because there's no unity in the music. And it disrupts worship and it disrupts the bands working together and it disrupts the people who aren't in unity together, right? Ah, I love it. Uh, so continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity. One second, Maxwell. Um, so continuing daily in one accord in the temple. Um, that's one of the big things we're going to talk about today. Um, the temple didn't like Jesus. The people in the temple didn't believe in Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They didn't want Jesus, right? So Jesus went into the temple and he cleared it out. And the Bible says that when they looked upon him cleaning out the temple, they said it was obvious to them that the zeal of the Lord was for his home. And so now these believers who are hated by the people in the temple are going into the temple. Why? Because it's not about the people in the temple. It's about the fact that Jesus loved the temple. And so when now in our modern Christian times, houses of worship, people who avoid that, you're actually avoiding something that God loves. 
right? And that's a big part of worship. Listen to me. You can't worship correctly if you're not a part of a consistent community. And though the church is the group of people, we honor the building that we're in. Why? Because God gave it to us. And if this is the hub of worship, if this is where we're going to meet up and worship together, then we honor what God gave us, right? Amen? And that's a big part of worship, by the way. That's why first you have to deal with community before you can deal with proper worship. Because God loves all the people around you. And if you don't want to worship with them, then you don't have a heart for them. And what does, Jesus, what does God say about that? Right? He says, be one with one another as I am one with the Father. How do we be one with each other unless we come into the building and unite? Amen? And that's where worship starts. Um, they ate their food with gladness. Can y'all say gladness? Gladness. Can y'all say it one more time? That gladness right there, that's praise, right? Where does that gladness come from? See, we're worshiping in the temple, and even when we eat, we're praising God. Because I know I only have this because of him. Every bite I take of my food is because God allowed me to have that, right? And we can say we worked for it, and we can say we can work hard, but, and that's true. But on the same note, we know that it's God who blesses us. That's why we give. Last verse, or was this the last verse? I always forget. There's 47, right? Yep. And praising God. Y'all say amen. amen. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church. I will try again. And the Lord added to the church. Those who were being saved. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, I got one more section of scripture for you. When I think worship... When I'm having a hard time with worship, when I'm in my secret place and I'm praying and I feel like maybe I'm not breaking through and my heart isn't in the right place, there's a section of scripture that I always go to, and that's Revelation chapter 4. And the reason is, is that's the only time in the Bible where we get an unadulterated, unfiltered view of what worship looks like in heaven. Only time. Right? Every other time, it's, it's, it's from an Old Testament perspective. And so, therefore, it's not entirely full yet. But John goes into heaven in the book of Revelation chapter 4, and he sees the angels worshiping. And the moment of the section of scripture we're going to read, Revelation chapter 4 is going to deal with worship as it always has been. And we're not going to read Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 deals with the fact that the first time in history when worship changes. But we're not, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> we're not talking about the end of times. We're talking about worship now, Right? It's kind of like that, that worship song that we sang today when they sing that uh, there's a day to come when every knee will bow. But we're not going to wait till that day because here and now your kingdom reigns, right? And so that is why we're worshiping. We're not in Revelation chapter 5 yet, but we are chilling in Revelation chapter 4 where the worship is day and night and night and day and still God hears us. Amen. So if we can go to Revelation chapter 4, we're going to read verse 2 to verse 11. That's the whole chapter except for the first verse. Um, immediately. Y'all say immediately. That means it, it took a second. I'm just kidding. Uh, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. where it gets creepy, right? It's like, it's like that weird thing where it's like it's beautiful, but like it's, it's abnormal to us. And so this can be, this section of scripture can sometimes freak people out. Um, seeing heaven for what it really is freaks people out. For one, some of us are really practical, 
And so when we look at that, we're like, okay, this is weird. I don't like this. The other thing is even the overly spiritual people in the Bible, when they saw this, they would panic. And they would freak out, <laughs> right? But I do want to talk about the genuine worship that we see in the Bible. And he who sat there was like a jasper and sardius stone. I don't know what a sardius stone is, but I assume it's beautiful. In appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne. Um, rainbow means promise. I'm, I'm going to give like a bonus point that has nothing to do with my sermon today. Um, if you look at the descriptions later in the book of Revelation, you would see that the rainbow's around the head of God. And, and, and some have posited, and I actually believe this to be true, that what it shows us is that the promises of God are always on his mind. And that when God comes to you and he gives you a promise, or when you have a promise in the Bible, you can hold to that because God is truth. And when God speaks something as it is, it becomes a part of who he is. And so when God says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, that is always around his head. And if you feel like maybe hell is coming down on you, and it's trying to break you, and it's trying to bring you down, you have to recognize that the promise of God that is always around him makes it so that he will stand for you, and he will not let that situation overcome you. And that is why, by the way, we worship. And I want to take a moment before we go into worship and think about what are the promises in your life? Have you given up on any of your promises? And have you been distracted from some of your promises? And if so, I want to encourage you to go back to them because God didn't forget those promises. Because God isn't distracted from those promises. God has a perfect time and a perfect plan that would best benefit you. How do you know? Because it's greater than we can ask, think, or imagine. And we have that assurance because it's always on the mind of God. And so when it seems like God's not there, I really want you to remember that God's promises in your life are always around him. Amen? In appearance like an emerald. <laughs> around the throne there were 24 thrones. Like many thrones. Right? And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And I think it, it's worth noting the crowns of gold on their heads and the beautiful white robes would pale in comparison to the beauty that's on the throne right in the middle of them. Right? And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and from the throne proceeding lightnings. Y'all say lightning. Thunder. And voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Well, wait a second. What has happened? Okay, so if we're going into the Greek here, and if we go into the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit operated according to seven names. And so that is all seven of his names. It's just saying it's the completion of God is right in front of his throne. The completion of his Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, if we, we should probably do a series called Who is the Holy Spirit and hit all seven points. That'd be kind of cool. That's not for now, but it's a cool thought. Um, before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. It's in the book of Isaiah, I believe. So if you're curious, just dive on in. Amen? Uh, seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. Again, one more thing for those crowns not quite be as beautiful as. Amen? And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. Which, I mean, I personally find that weird, but God is good, you know? The first living creature was like a lion. 
an homage to Jesus, right? The lion of the tribe of Judah. The second living creature was like a calf. That's, a, uh, that's an homage to Jesus, right? The suffering servant. Uh, the third living creature had a face like a man. That's an homage to Jesus, right? It's the son of man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. That, that's kind of like <laughs> Jesus, right? And, and so you'll find those, those heads all have prophetic leanings toward Jesus. And it's, a, it's fun. It's fun stuff. Flying eagle. Let's keep rolling. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And I don't even know what that means. Uh, within the wings or like within them, uh, I don't know. Uh, but here's actually a cool point that we'll, we'll be addressing soon. Um, if you look in the Old Testament, there were seraphim. And there were the other ones that names I forgot. Cherubim, right? And the cherubim were described as having the heads and the eyes. And the seraphim were described as having the wings. And then these things have both. And we will actually be talking about that in just a little bit. But just, you know, to keep your attention. Um, <laughs> uh, we're full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Can you pause? Uh, let's say that together because this is worship in heaven, right? And so this is what, when, when these creatures look upon the greatness and beauty of God, only one word can cross their minds, and what is it? Holy, sanctified, set apart. It's not righteousness. It, the, the, the first thing they don't recognize is how big or how great he is. The first thing they recognize is how set apart and so far above he is than everything else. How he is the only unsustaining thing. He is sustained by himself. Everything else needs something. Right? And yet God in all of his greatness, he is the true definition of holy because he is set apart from all of creation. And there was no thing that was not made by him, for him, and through him. And he, res he resides above it all, holy. And so when God says, be holy as I am holy, that's some heavy stuff. Amen? And it's possible one way and one way alone. Anyone know how? Jesus. That's right. Jesus makes us holy. We are the righteousness of Christ. And because we are righteous, we can walk right and we can walk separate from the world. And when we walk separate from the world, we look holy like our God. Amen. Oh, I want you guys, let's go back. Sorry. I want us all to say that. So we're going to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Ready? Three, two, one, go. I apologize, I'm about to make you uncomfortable. Uh, one more praise break. Let's roll. <laughs> it just, this message demands it, right? This message demands it. This chapter, like I'm telling you, if we grasp the fullness of what's happening in this chapter, whenever I feel separate from God, whenever I feel like my worship isn't enough or I'm not worshiping correctly or maybe I'm full of sin, I turn to this chapter. And I let God remind me again of how much greater he is than my struggle. Right? And I said it last week and I want to say it again. We have to stop telling God how big our problems are. And we need to start telling our problems how big our God is. That is what worship truly is at many points in our lives. Amen? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks. Pause. That's worship. That's it. If you can dumb down worship to three points, it is glory and honor and praise. Glory. God, oh, how big you are. Glory means weight. The weight of God, the heaviness of his presence. It's a show of power, of strength, of might, of, like I said, so far above and so unreachable, right? Indescribable, uncontainable. He placed the stars in the skies and he knows them by name. He's amazing. He's awesome and he's mighty and he's strong and we can't lose that. And that's why we have to give him glory. And honor is a recognition of who he is. When God says, I am Jehovah Jireh, we have to hold him to that because we honor him for who he is. And when God says, I'm your provider, we have to honor him as our provider. It's a part of worship. And when God says, I'm your salvation, we honor him as salvation. It's a part of the gospel. When he says, I am your king and I am your Lord, then we bow a knee in honor of who he really is and what he truly has done for us. And we can't get distracted by what the world says about God or how maybe he looks to us in a moment of hurt. But who is God really? honor him for who he is and who he's been in your life amen and lastly both those things what do they lead to they lead to thanks thank you God for my job well your job sucks yeah but thank you for it because when the apostles were beat and flogged for saying the name of Jesus they left and what does it say they said they thanked God for the honor of allowing it to be done in his name the Bible says to thank God in all things. How do I get to that point? Because honestly, when I'm hurting, I don't want to thank him. If you lead a life of worship, it'll naturally flow out of you. And so when Paul and Silas are trapped in a prison, and they're uncomfortable, and they're hanging on shackles, and the bruises on their wrists, and, and, and the rubbing, and the, the hurt, and just the, the rawness, in their rawness, they worship. And God blows open the doors. And so what they learn and that's valuable for all of us is however bad the situation you're, you're in is, if you worship through it, you'll get through it quicker. Amen? David rapes a woman, probably. Impregnates her and murders her husband. And when he gets found out, he worships and he goes to God and thanks. And what does God do? What does God call him and what does God say about him? You are a man after my own heart. When you sin, Jesus already took it. When you mess up, Jesus already handled it. Thank him. I want to tell you a very gritty something that's happened in my life a few years ago. Um, there was many years in my life where I was absolutely addicted to pornography, right? Uh, I, I have a history of drug abuse, and when I found God, I got off of drugs. And, and before I found my addiction in him, which I am now sitting in, I found an addiction in pornography. And, and there was a point in my life where I was going to a youth event that I was leading in. And, and I watched it, and I, and, I, and I sat back, and I looked at the sin of my life, and the enemy tried to condemn me. And I sat down in that place with tears, feeling broken and feeling like I didn't deserve what I was in. And I worshiped, and God met me there. He didn't wait for me to clean up. He cleaned me up. 
And I've heard a story of a man who walked in on his daughter when she was in a crib and she had thrown up and she was covered in vomit. And she holds up her hand to him because she was sick and she says, Daddy. And what he said is, he goes, I didn't tell her to clean herself up and then I'll pick her up. He says, I picked her up and I cleaned her off because I'm her dad and I'm bigger than that. And that's how our God is with us. And when we're broken and when we're ruined and when we feel like we don't deserve it, God picks us up and he dusts us off because he's bigger than what we're going through and he's bigger than what brought us down. Amen? That is why, by the way, I worship. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne. Everything I ever earned pales in comparison to your beauty. And it's not an indictment on what I did. It's a recognition of how big he is. Which is why, by the way, when we think we earn something, I want to take you back to this moment. And everything, they, they were wearing the crowns, thinking they were kings next to the real king. And when they got a recognition of who he was, they realized, I don't deserve any of this. And God took it as worship, and he sat them on the throne. Amen? saying you are worthy y'all say worthy if he doesn't show up in this situation like I don't like I want him to he's still worthy and when maybe things don't work out like I want them to work out he's still worthy and sometimes when I think God's being unfair with me, that's the time to push the hardest because he's worthy. And I should be in a gutter right now with a needle in my arm, but God pulled me onto a stage. And so I know he's worthy. And so I worship because that's where I came from. I shouldn't be here. And many of you probably shouldn't be there. And Aaron probably shouldn't be worshiping. And teacher probably shouldn't have a beautiful son like Johnny. But God is worthy, and he showed up anyway, which is why we worship. Oh, Lord, to receive the glory, there it is again, and the honor, there it is again, and the power. They switched it up. I actually don't know why. I got nothing for you. Uh, for you created all things, and by your will, they exist and were created. Why am I here? Because it was God's will. And that's it. That's actually it. It's not because he willed it and because I did this, this, and this. It's because he willed it. Because all those things weren't even worth to be put at his feet. But it was just him. For the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not because you accepted him or you wanted him. He died for you anyway. Amen? And maybe you feel like you don't deserve it, but that's the point of the cross. The cross is Jesus saying, guess what? Now you do. Oh, created. Amen. Uh, dear Lord in heaven, for these last 14 minutes, we thank you. God, I pray our hearts would be right before you. That we would seek you and recognize, God, that we're only here because of you. That you are the reason why we can praise and worship and laugh, God. I thank you, God, for where I should be. And I thank you, God, for where I'm not because of you.
Lord, we love you and we thank you for your grace. And we thank you for your mercy. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. I'm going to break the somberness for one second. Throw me a praise break. I'm telling you it's going to be like that. I love you all so much. Like, you don't even know. Um, to hear that praise break. That's my boy. All right. <laughs> all right. Have you, my wife has a painting in our house. And it was painted by children from Africa. And, um, man, it's a terrible painting. Like, <laughs> it is an absolute eyesore. And it's just in our house at all times. Um, and, but it's funny because when people come into our house, a lot of my wife's paintings are like up on the wall and they're, they're everywhere. And people go, wow, did you paint all of these? And I always interject before she says something because the answer is yes. And I say, yeah, she got to paint all of them, but I got to paint this one. And I always tell people, and they look at me like, oh, wow, good job. Like, like they always want to like patronize me. <laughs> like, but can, can you throw me another praise break? I need water. So I tell people that was, that's my painting. And it's, it's, it's funny watching the look on people's faces before they realize I'm joking. And it's actually kind of sad that I have to tell the story here because now I can't use it on a few of you. I probably still will. Um, and, and I'm just like, I got to do this one. And then they're like, wow. Like, you know, someone like really tried to justify it and was like, oh, so you're really into abstract painting. And I was like, yeah, how'd you know? Um, but like, but here's the thing. My wife loves that painting. It has such a sentimental value in her heart. She looks on it. She smiles at it. She appreciates it. You probably know where I'm going with this. And we just looked up into heaven. Now, do you think what happened in this room not 30 minutes ago is even comparable to that? No. Not instrumentally. No offense, Aaron, not vocally. He's got a voice of an angel, but... I mean, not like a literal angel, like, like our best definition of an angel. Um, and, and teacher with his baritone, which is beautiful, but like I'm sure the baritones in heaven are like meteor, right? And they're, they're just, like, and then they ring through and make everything beautiful. Um, but amongst all that, and you have to understand, if you look at what seems like chaos, there are people literally throwing the crowns of all of their accomplishments at God's feet. There are angels crying out consistently and never stopping. There is thunders, and there is lightning, and there is power. And, and it's, it's the craziest thing that God would lean in through all of that and care about what's going on here. It's our abstract painting to our beautiful God. Right? And, and by the way, that's not an indictment on your worship. It's a statement of how beautiful and how much God loves you. And we talked that worship is praise and we talked that it's, it's glorifying and honoring and thanking him. Uh, but quickly, I literally have 10 minutes. <laughs> um, and I don't even regret how this has gone down so far. I love today so much. I love how this service has gone just so much. But I have five points for you. Not about how to worship, but what we get from worship. So if you're taking notes, point number one, we get to see God clearly. 
Worship is a place where we see God clearly. Here's something you have to understand. That chunk of heaven that we saw, I truly, truly believe that when we go and worship God, and I'm not saying when we feel the goosebumps, but you know there's a difference. Have you ever been in that place where suddenly you're like, where am I? You know? And I'm not talking even sometimes the feelies and the falling out. I'm, I'm not even worried about that. I'm saying like there was a noticeable shift in where you're standing. I believe, I truly believe you're bringing a chunk of that to your moment. I really do believe that. And, and so what John saw, here's something you have to recognize. If you go back and read Revelation chapter 4, here's what you see. You see God wasn't described because he's indescribable. And you see, there's these two stones that I, I guess he's as bright and beautiful as them, but I got nothing because here's the thing. And then John goes into detail about the angels. He goes into detail about the elders. He goes into details about the throne, but he doesn't go in detail about the God. Why? Because his language cannot truly process what he's experiencing. And so it's literally only in the place of prayer and worship when we go before God that we get to see and experience that. And the reason why I mention it is so important to you. If you don't get there in worship, you're not done yet. Amen? If you feel like, well, I worship, but nothing feels different than, than, than worship. <laughs> but I've worshiped this long. I know it's not a time thing. It's an experience thing. I don't get to time my dates with my wife either. I've tried. I'm just kidding. I haven't. Um, not even, she'd kill me, and that wouldn't, my phone would be broken, and I'd be dead. Um, but we go before God, and the reason why I said you just feel like there's a shift is because that's the best that can explain it. You just have to experience it. That literally worship is a place where you can experience the fullness of God. The Bible says that we are full of the dunamis power of God. And that word for power actually translates to an entire army. And so with that word dunamis, it's not saying you're full of the power of God. It's saying you're full of the fullness of God. That each one of us, we're not a little piece of God. We all carry the fullness of God. It's undescribable, but it's absolutely experienceable. You just have to go. Amen? Um, point number two. It's a place to be unified with God and with each other. It's a place to be unified with God and with each other. There are 24 thrones up in heaven. 12 and 12. Because of the way Jesus spoke about his apostles being on a throne, we know that 12 of them are there. And, and we know that, 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 that the, the, the tribes of Judah, the, the tribes of Israel <laughs> are written out there. And that, that, so what most people believe is that the 12 thrones represent the 12 tribes of Israel, the leaders, and the 12 apostles that God established. And so what's happening is up in heaven, God is uniting the Old and the New Testament. And that's us and that's them. And there is a perfect unity amongst believers when we go and we worship God. And what does it allow us to do? It also allows us to get united with God. Listen to me. I don't pray to change God's mind. I pray so that God would shift my mind to be like his. I don't worship to change God's mind. I worship so that I can become unified with him and learn who he is and experience him in a different way because it'll never be my place to change God it's my place to grow and to be holy and to look like him worship is the place to unify with God um, thirdly worship is a place of peace and tranquility um, the sea of glass 
is at the foot of God. That glass is a show of purity. It's a show of peace. It's a show of perfection. And if it's at the foot of God, then it's at our head. And something that I think is being said in that moment, being said with that, is talking about the peace and tranquility of God. Listen to me. How chaotic is earth? How, how bad is it down here at times where we're still fighting over whether or not it's right to kill a child? Where we're still arguing over these basic biblical principles. Well, I don't believe in the Bible. Fine, these basic moral principles. We're fighting and we're arguing and people are getting hurt and getting taken advantage of. And literally amongst that pain and amongst that hurt and amongst that chaos, right above it is God. And it's not just saying that he's greater than our problems. It's saying he's outside of our problems. And so when God, who is outside of our problems, reaches in, he can pull us to him. It's a place of peace. I worship when I'm broken. I worship when I feel like things aren't working out. The best thing to do when you feel like everything's falling apart is get on your knees and worship. That's what I did the day I watched what I shouldn't have watched. And I had to go preach a sermon I had no right to preach. And I fell to my knees and I worshiped God. And he met me and he washed me off. And he brought me a peace that I did not deserve. The reason I say that to you is you have to realize, don't do this thing that many of us do is I'll go worship. Man, I just got to be right for a couple days first. You can't. Listen to me. You actually can't beat sin by yourself. You have to go to him and let him beat it for you. And so the answer isn't to shy away from him. The answer is to run it and embrace the only one who can make me clean. Where would the woman with the issue of blood be if she hung back because she wasn't clean enough to touch him? Unhealed. Reach out and take your peace. Because he's above your storm. He's greater than your storm. Just worship. This is the first time since daily that I've had to do this, but I forget my other points. I always keep them ready just in case I do this. Um, okay, it's not just a place to recognize how big he is. It's also a place to see his plan clearly. And I know that may sound weird, but how many of you just by a show of hands have had a prayer moment with God where you really feel like he spoke clearly to you and you knew what your next step was? Now, I want to ask you another question. Be honest with yourself. Has there ever been a time where God's done that? You walked outside of his presence and talked to people and then began to doubt that moment? It's because prayer and worship is a place to see God clearly. And sometimes when we walk out, we let people muddy up what we're seeing. But that was the plan. That was clear. Amen? Here's something I want you to see. If you look at the Old Testament, the prophets saw the cherubim and described them right? They saw these angels and they called them seraphim and they said, look at the wings and look at the eyes and, and look at the heads and, and they just saw a little bit. And then you go to heaven and what does John see? He sees them for what they really are. And he sees that what these prophets were doing were describing bits and pieces of one whole thing. And so when John went into the place of worship, he saw God clearly and he saw things clearly that had been seen muddied in the Old Testament. Paul says the mysteries of God are no longer mysteries to his church. There's no confusion for you. It's simple. Go worship. He'll make it clear. Go worship. Do I take this job? I don't know. Go worship. Ask, ask God <laughs> what you should do. Contemplate on his call in your life and see if that job fits that. Amen? And let God speak to you.
and see him clearly because he's not hiding himself from you. Listen to me. God is not hiding himself from you. Just go worship. He'll show up, I promise. But I worship for it, then worship more. Jesus is knocking. Keep knocking. So I think the reason why many of us don't experience God like we'd like to is because we stop knocking at a certain point. And many times we stop knocking just before the door is going to be answered. Why? Because as God would be walking to that door, Satan realizes it and attacks harder. Now, I'm not one who thinks Satan has any right in my life. But some of us give him some credit. And we allow him to shift our gaze from God. And we stop experiencing the clarity that God gives us. Amen? And last but not least, with my handy-dandy notebook, a place to cast your burdens and a place to have a healthy view of your accomplishments. Some of you think you're the coolest thing ever. You need to cast that too. <laughs> Amen? Let's just place it for a second. Some of y'all, like the second anyone minorly praises you, yeah, but like, did you see me last week? You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta, if you go, you can't be like that unless you stop looking at God. Because his greatness will humble us 100% of the time. Well, I struggle with a pride issue. Then you also struggle with a worship issue. Because you can't worship God consistently and be in pride. Because it humble, it's too humbling. It's too humbling. But also, some of the, those of you who allow what's going on in your life just to get on your shoulders and hold you down and keep you away from God is doing. And, man, I suck. Man, I'm terrible. Cast that, too. Man, it's like I say all the time, if the shoe fits, kick that thing off. It has no right to be on your foot. Jesus took that. Well, my generational curse, Jesus took that. Well, this spirit in my room, Jesus took that. Well, you don't understand my sins and my struggles and, and my mindset. Jesus took that. The Bible says that through Christ Jesus, I can renew my mind daily. Mindset has no right in my life. Go worship. And go worship more and go worship more and go worship more. Speaking of which, price break. If we can get the band up, we're going to go. If we can get the band up, Zachary, my man, we're going to do a praise song. I don't know. I just want to say, let's just go heavy, right? Yeah? I'm going to pray for y'all. I'm going to pray out because you have the right to leave. But I want to encourage you to praise. Don't take a message like this where you see the answer to many of your struggles and walk out the door with them. The answer is here. The answer is here. Jesus is here for you. Amen? I have some passion topics, and this is one of them. I love you guys. Um, Uh, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. God, there's hurts. God, there's pains. God, there's attacks of the enemy, and there are things that we shouldn't just wash to the side and ignore. But God, I thank you anyway because you're gracious. I thank you anyway because you're bigger than those problems no matter what they are. God, I pray that we would be understanding of each other and we would love the community and we'd be in awe of you and we'd let it just be simple as we come before you and praise you and worship you. And God, I pray that it wouldn't stay in this moment or in our brains, God, but that we would walk out and we would take this with us, Lord. God, you're too big for what I'm letting bring me down. And I pray that we would all sit with a heart like that, that whatever is in our lives has no right to be in our lives unless it's guided by your spirit, God. Be the light to our feet. Be the lens upon which we see, God. And let us be simple and blameless before you, God. We love you.
We praise you. We seek you first, God. God, if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd show yourself to them, Father God. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you after service to walk up to one of the leaders. I don't know who the leaders are. Walk up to anyone, honestly. And tell them you want prayer and that you don't know who Jesus is. And then they're going to they're gonna teach you for a second about who this Jesus is that gives us peace when we don't deserve it. Who met us when we were in the depth of darkness. Who we can't run from no matter how high we go. God will be there no matter how low we go. God's there every step of the way within us in his fullness. So I pray for the people who don't know you, God. We love you. We praise you, God. We acknowledge. I pray our hearts would acknowledge. We'd have the hearts that would be postured to acknowledge that we can't do this without you. But because of you, we can, Lord. And in Jesus' name I say, amen.